welcome to season six of the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast, a podcast about neurodivergence told both through the eyes of our family, the Ollies, and through the lens of the greater global neurodivergent community. I'm Lola Dada Ollie. We hope you enjoy this episode we have lined up for you. So, with that in mind, let's get started. In this episode, I'm here with my husband, Tosan. Tosan, say hi. Hello. And we are here today to talk about a topic that too many families in the U.S. are familiar with, and that is going back and forth with insurance companies. So for a bit of level setting, let's explain. Every January, the clock resets. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean that starting January 1st, families are charged medical costs until they meet their deductible. A healthcare deductible is the amount of money a person or family has to pay in out-of-pocket expenses before their health insurance carrier has to start contributing to these costs. Every year as a family, because of the amount of healthcare services we utilize, we tend to meet our deductible amount within the first month of the year. I dare to say within the first couple of weeks. So keep that in mind. Tosan, for some more level setting, do you want to tell our audience about what an out-of-pocket max is for those who may not know. Sure. I think one thing you said about too many families being familiar, that may actually not be quite right. I think a lot of families... In our position. Let me qualify that. Too many families in our position. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The neurotypical or the normal... Family interaction with insurance is January 1st rolls over and nobody really thinks about it until somewhere in April or May, little junior hurts his knee and gets a scrape and you go and you have um, some kind of uh, copay if you're, you have a flat fee for, you know, for certain types of visits and what have you. And you may only have to think about the copay for most families for the whole year because you know you'll quote me on this 90 percent of families don't ever have to think about co-insurance which is what you pay or the percentage you pay after you hit your deductible but like you said uh we're so very familiar with those terms because we <laughs> we almost don't even really think of the co-pay because we blaze through because we'd be paying. Uh, we, we pay so quickly <laughs> that we get to the deductible coinsurance out-of-pocket max conversations, quite frankly, because of Alero, depending on the insurance, within the first two, three weeks of, of the year, particularly in Texas, which we'll touch on a bit, but to give folks who are not quite as familiar with the terms, uh, a deductible is the amount you have to pay either as an individual, baby girl has her own deductible, 
um, that the family has their own deductible to hit. And each uh, deductible is the amount you get to get to before your insurance comes in alongside you to bear some of the expenses of your medical um, costs. And it usually varies anywhere um, from 70%. The insurance takes 70% of the costs um, to some extra nice insurances will take like 90 to 95%. And you 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 share that the cost in that percentage until you hit the next threshold, which is on the out of pocket max, either as an individual or as a family. So baby girl has our own individual out of pocket max, uh, which if she hits it, or if she when she hits it, it uh, in the first second of the year, <laughs> then her healthcare is essentially free for the rest of the year. Whereas the rest of the family still has to, you know, catch up to get to the family deductible and the family out of pocket max, which now that uh, Fela is not uh, in as much therapy as he used to, the family um, deductible, we hit it later. But before, I remember a time not too long ago, we hit both family and individual <laughs> in a month. And real quickly, when we say that we hit it, it means usually within 30 days of when we hit it, we are expected to come up with the payment for thousands of dollars. Oh, and, and actually, it's... Uh, I should make it a little bit worse. And this is the differentiation with, with Texas versus the other states we've been in. In most other states, um, either because the there's better protection, I feel like, or there's a, a, a better assumption on that the pre-authorization for therapy is almost a formality. And to, again, to explain pre-authorization, is um, a hurdle that insurance puts in front of the providers uh, where they have to essentially vet and approve that the the services are, quote, medically necessary, which feels a little bit redundant or a little bit absurd given that, you know, we have a child who is intellectually disabled and on the autism spectrum and has speech delays, um, you know, she doesn't show up every year and go, I still have autism, you know, yes. that, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, but insurance makes you essentially revet and reassess her like she's a new case um, being submitted. In other states, pre-authorization feels like it's a bit more of a formality and the therapy providers essentially hold their billing in anticipation of the pre-authorization will go through. And when that happens, they now submit all of their their claims. And you know, then you're you're the expectation of paying the deductible and the out-of-pocket max or whatever it may be. It almost comes at once, but that's usually like, you know, 21 days, 30 days after therapy has started for the year. That's a little bit different beast. Texas essentially requires, at least the therapy providers we've been a part of in Texas, require you to put a card on file where you get charged like you have no insurance until the pre-authorization 
is approved and they submit their claims, then they will, after the fact, refund you if you overpaid. So like Lala said, we our families, a lot of times in our situations, are out of pocket in the first week of the year, thousands of dollars in anticipation of perhaps a refund, um, which is weird. <laughs> well, uh, that took some getting used to. That when takes we some getting to. used to. We that call it uh, the Texas Disability Tax. What I call it, I'm just like maybe that. Let's stop doing business here. It's 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 different than some other places, and like for instance, this these past couple of weeks were always on guard because there's a partial monitoring of the bills that are accumulating very quickly along with monitoring the insurance provider as well as monitoring the provider to make sure that they're in proper communication with the insurance carrier because what can easily happen is the provider will just keep charging 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 so this time of year just like you turn into uh, part-time if not full-time insurance Specialists. <laughs> I, I, if I, my second career when I retire could could be insurance consultant, uh, personal home office insurance consultant. But yeah, you um, very quickly learn the case manager from an insurance perspective on your on on baby girl's case. Um, in very quickly establish early communication. Um, ensure that from the therapy side that all of the information that the insurance company needs is submitted. Uh, we, we are blessed and privileged that we have on the therapy side a, a BCBA. Board is, Certified Behavior uh, Analyst. Certified so behavior she's analyst. our case manager for our daughter's ABA, Applied Behavioral yeah. Analysis Therapy. She's our case manager. She keeps those trains running on time. So yeah. I just want to give. And she is she is you know, one of the best we've worked with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's on point. But we've had situations where that's not the case, where so you're essentially managing two fronts um, to ensure that the therapy provider is submitting exactly what they're supposed to be submitting and you're in constant communication. You're spending three hours a week on the phone with insurance companies. Um, probably know more about billing codes than I should. Just ensuring that, you know, again, both parties are marching towards the desired outcome, which is the care of our child. Um, so yeah, it's uh, the first, you know, the Happy New Year fades very quickly, um, and it's all the ink. Uh, fortunately, um, um, I'm in a, a career where the first week or so is still kind of, you know, everybody's coming off of the holiday, or coming down from the holiday high, and yeah. You know, budgets already set, and we you not know, fine. You know, FPNA work is quote unquote relatively slower, um, so I can divert uh, attention to the you know to the on front. But understanding that, yeah, you know, with the fact that we have insurance, we are fairly well versed 
of the nuances and uh, the maze, the Byzantine maze that is um, health insurance, um, and especially in Texas. You know, sometimes you shudder to think, oh, what other people do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it can be, it can be very frustrating. We've had past seasons where, you know, we just didn't have the funds to even pay for that initial deductible or pay for that initial out-of-pocket max. And we've been very fortunate enough to get help from grants, from grant grants because it this money kind of pops up very quickly and this is clearly not just a nice to have but it's essential for our family to run yeah and it's there have been past seasons where it was difficult to make these payments we're in a much better season now and we're grateful to god for that but we're also very aware that there are a lot of families that especially depending on where you live it's there's this middle ground where you can't qualify for medicaid because you make too much but then you don't have enough to pay these massive amounts up front. So, and there are families that are struggling with that. And it's, you you see how different your life is sometimes from other families. I remember uh, some family friends there, I think their kid ended up in the ER and that was the first time ever in their family that they had hit their out-of-pocket max. And you would have thought like their whole world was shattered. And I realized, was like, this happens to us every single year. Yeah, every yeah. single year. <laughs> 10 years. 10 years. Every year for the last 10 years. Ten years, and we laugh about this, and we've we've had previous podcast episodes about financial planning. But when I say that this is a line item, this is for sure a line item. Yeah, and and the way we we've been able to to the financial planning comment, the way we've been able to address that is you know, you know, like Christmas, we know this is going to show up, right? It's yeah. it's on the calendar. So Every year. Depending on what kind of insurance that whatever company we are with is offering, you you use a combination of um, the multidimensional uh, HCA HCA's healthcare accounts, or you use if you if you have the uh, the high deductible plan uh, that gives you the HSAs that uh, allow you to carry over funds. That becomes essentially a parking. Uh, mechanism, no. <clears throat> yeah, essentially investing for this event, you know, and once this is all paid up and you have the out-of-pocket max fully met, the rest of the, the 11 months of the year, because like you said, everything gets, it's in January, the rest of the 11 months is getting ready, well, next January, and if we do it well enough, getting ready for next January with a little bit of cushion. Because um, you want to get to some kind of cumulative um, effect where maybe in, a, in two, three years' time, um, if out-of-pocket max don't drastically change, we'll get to a January where it's like, well, we have enough in there for the next, you know, two years or three years or whatever. But, you know, out-of-pocket maxes uh, fluctuate. And, of course, if you're investing, um, you're subject to... The whims like caprices of uh, the stock markets, yeah, which is what I've been told. <laughs>
it, it, it's 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 interesting, but it also gives us also a mindset for how we set up financial planning, specifically from a healthcare perspective for baby girl post twenty six, which for now is the at least from an insurance perspective is the cliff age where she drops off. But we since learned, um, given her diagnosis, there might be the possibility. Uh, I believe it's in the law now that we could stay on. Um, on the parents, uh, uh, parents' insurance, and you know, for however long that she needs to. So, and I'm not, and we have to roll well, that. We have to. That's something on our research agenda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have to definitely research that further. But friends have told us so. It's definitely something we need to run down more and better understand as we all age, because these healthcare costs are not going to go away. But we have to figure out how best to fit it into our overall budget. And the healthcare accounts are one thing, uh, just life choices we've made, um, not upgrading our home, just very frankly, there's just certain things in life we've made decisions about because we know that our medical costs are going to be more likely to be a lifetime than just over a season. And that's just what we have to do. That's just what we have to do to care for our children the way we need to. Yeah, absolutely. Margin, right? And that's our uh, one of our themes for the boyfriend for our lives and see creating margin, physically, financially, spiritually, yeah. um, maritally, emotionally. So on, on, you, you don't want to live close to the edge as much as you can. You don't you want to live as far away from the edge as possible. Yeah. Because the kids, you know, like whoever you're caring for is relying on you for that extra buffer. And they will, when they reach for that buffer, if it's not there, it's, it starts a spin cycle um, that is difficult to recover for, whatever that, you know. Um, that line is physical, emotional, mental, academic, and what have you. Um, so let's say it's enjoyed. And if you hear the background, that's baby girl. That's baby girl telling us we should be all done. I don't know if you Yeah, so maybe that's her. That's our cue to wrap up because she's telling us she's trying to get in and she's saying, all done, all done. So I think it's time to wrap up. But what's your family's. Um, Hang in there. Absolutely. Hang in there. You know, if you survive the out-of-pocket max cliff this year, build some more resilience. Next year will come again. You know, to, to those who uh, don't have insurance, you know, there's a lot of this information out there on grants. You know, we were at a situation where at one time we didn't have the insurance coverage for big girl animals through you know, research and folks helping us out from a research perspective that we're able to get certain um, insurance coverage from the healthcare exchange. And that's yep. different now than it was when uh, we first moved. We're smooth, um, it's not as robust as it was in 2015. Um, and Medicaid, I know a lot of um, providers don't accept. Um, so, very conscious of the challenges. And in some way, this is a a conversation where we talk about margin of 
insurance privileged folks, yeah. for lack of a better word. Absolutely. We put one step, one leg in front of the other, and uh, anytime we hit the out of pocket max, we we crack, crack a bottle of wine and <laughs> like, <"Woo-hoo!" laughs> celebrate like it's a personal Super Bowl. Yes, because... Um, Which we always hit it before the Super Bowl, so... Yeah, exactly, so it's pretty appropriate. <laughs> it's it's pretty appropriate. Because once that out of max hits, then yes, yeah, it's then it's for then all other medical services for the remainder of the year no, free. are free, so... Well, I should put all covered medical that, that part. That, that part. So we will put in the show notes a link to a grant program for people that use UHC United Healthcare, uh, just to have that as an example of the type of grants that are out there. And like Tosa said, just hang in there. There's a reason why. My motto, if you follow this podcast, if you follow us on social media, it is constantly one day at a time. And that that's why we've developed this mindset over time. It's yeah. just build resilience over time because this world is not designed for families like ours. So hope is the audacity of seeking light in the darkness. And that's what our family does our best to do every day. Absolutely. One day at a time, one moment at a time, one step at a time. In the words of our daughter as we wrap up this podcast, all done. All done. Be well. Not Your Mama's Autism podcast is written and produced by my mom, Lila Dada Ali, and is occasionally produced by me, Fella Ali. My dad and sister also contribute sometimes. Big thanks to Anna Lee Ackerman for her audio and video editing support. Until next time, everyone, see you soon.